0: Jonah is so familiar to so many of us. So in some ways, the text that I'm going to go over today is something maybe you've heard often. But there's so much in it. And I trust that God will just encourage your hearts. You know, God gave Jonah the prophet a message. It was very simple. Get up and go to Nineveh. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to Tarshish. Jonah runs from God's face. We saw last week as we begin this study that he sins, that he disobeys. Well, he thought he had good reason, and most of us do when we sin or we disobey God. God's directive didn't make sense to Jonah. It felt almost like suicide. He didn't even like the Assyrians. Well, the truth of the matter is, he didn't like how God was running this world. Jonah was an immature prophet. He knew of God, but he didn't know God. He did not trust God's character or record. Last week, we spent a little bit of time with Abraham and saw that, in spite of his, well, directives, he understood God. He trusted God's record and his character, and he obeyed God. (laughs) Not Jonah. Not Jonah. This short Old Testament book is about sin and grace. Sin is running from God, rebelling, disobeying, living apart from God as a fugitive. Grace is God chasing after us, hunting us down before we destroy ourselves and those around us. This is the gospel. The gospel is as we were born fugitives in sin. And God in His grace, loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross to pay our debt so that we might have abundant and eternal life. You see, sin separates us, but God chases after us. That's grace. Grace. You see, the storm teaches us about sin and grace. So let's pray before we open up our text today. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would do a mighty work in us and through us today. You are a God of compassion and mercy. You are slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Your ways are perfect and your actions are just. You always keep your promises and are gracious. You are close to those who cry out to you. You are a God that controls all things. Yet your ways are often not our ways and your thoughts confuse us. So we ask today that you would help us grow in our faith. Help us trust you faster and better. We pray, Lord, that we would grow in our fear for you. We're going to get some examples today, Father, where where I think that some of us who have walked with you for a while probably don't fear you the way we ought. We cry out to you, not only for you to reveal yourself to us, but to act take away our pride and break our hearts for a lost world. Our world needs a Savior. Our country needs to be rescued. Our world is scrambling. You alone are our hope. We pray, Father, that you would encourage your flock and draw people to yourself. We pray for the church and for those churches who are right in our area and right in our county. Lord, specifically, we pray for Life Bridge, and we pray for New Hope, and we pray for Life Spring. We ask you, God, that you would work not only in these congregations, but in all of God's people as we deal with the chaos that's out there. Lord, we pray for our flock, in particular, those that call Crosspoint their home, those that are in the house, and those who are worshiping online. We thank you, Father, and ask you to open our eyes. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. If you would, you can turn your Bibles or your flat screens to Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to start reading Ed, verse 1, even though we covered some of this last week. And we will go all the way through verse 12. You can follow behind me if you don't have a Bible. Verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break apart, or break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the cast, or then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the troubled storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit why has this awful storm come down on us they demanded who are you what is your line of work what country are you from what is your nationality jonah answered i am a hebrew and i worship the lord the god of heaven who made the sea and the land the sailors were terrified when they heard this for they had already for he had already told them he was running away from the lord Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. An intervention is an opportunity to interrupt a person's destructive life patterns. It's a starting point for change. Interventions should happen to anyone with life-threatening addictions. Folks who are usually blind to their devastating behavior, which affects them and all those around them. In an intervention, family or friends surround a loved one, And graciously confront their lethal patterns and their fatal behaviors. Those doing the intervention often say things like this You are weak. You are out of control. Your tragic flaw is hurting yourselves and others. Admit it. Get help or die. (laughs) It seems harsh. But as you can see, life and death is often well, in the balance here. The cornered loved one often responds defensively and passionately. This is unfair. You don't care. I can stop anytime. There isn't a problem in my life. Leave me alone. They are blind and they refuse And if they refuse treatment, they will die. Now Jonah, Jonah was blind, immature, and selfish. His behaviors threatened his life and other lives around him. You see, running from God breaks God's heart. It does hurt the offender. It does hurt the sinner, but realistically, it hurts God. God needed to intervene. Jonah was destroying himself and others. Remember, God is a jealous God. One of the attributes that we focused on at the end of our Second Corinthians study. But how amazing is that? Is that God desires so deeply that not only you, but your neighbor find life, and that they listen to him and experience abundance now and look forward to eternity with a gracious God. <laughs> so God hurled a wind, a violent storm that threatened to rip apart the ship. This was just not an ordinary squall, folks. This was something that scared the liver out of seasoned sailors. Jonah had sinned, and God was intentional. The literal Hebrew word right here is hurled, just like you would hurl a spear, or since it's kind of the end of the baseball season, hurl a baseball. Sin usually has a storm attached to it. God will cause an intervention. But let me say this clearly. Not all storms are connected to sin or rebellion. You know, there was a mentality, and I still think it's a little bit prevalent today, that if bad things happen to you, you you must be in sin. But if you remember back in John chapter 9... Uh, Jesus addressed this cultural lie. His disciples passed a blind man. And basically Jesus just asked, hey, is it because of this man's sin or is it because of his parents' sin? Tell us, why is this man blind? <laughs> Jesus was dumbfounded. He, he looked at his disciples I don't know if he chatted with them about this before, but he said this. He goes, hey, wait a minute. It's not because of sin in his life. It's because I was going to walk by at this specific time, and I was going to get the opportunity to heal him, and that he would be able to glorify God. That's the whole reason. Whoa, that doesn't seem that fair. But God said, that is how it works. In this case, though, the results of Jonah's disobedience is a storm. It's immediate and drastic. And by the way, when we sin, normally God does not act immediate and drastic. There are other places in the scripture where he does. In Acts chapter 5, there's a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they were giving their, well tithes and offerings to the church and they lied and because they lied god struck them down dead and the scriptures tell us that the church was fearful so there are times that that happens but realistically sin is more like radiation poisoning or today we could just say COVID exposure Immediately, you don't get affected. It takes a while for it to come to fruition, right? And just like you can get a lethal dose of radiation, and you're going to feel probably fine that night. But as the days proceed, the radiation is killing you from the inside out. Now, storms force a response. Normally we as people respond in one of two ways. When a storm hits us, response number one is to retreat, hole up, feel sorry for oneself, and maybe even get bitter. And let me explain. You may talk to someone, or you may even share something like this and, and say, I'm bitter because Godfrey treated me this way. Now, Godfrey is your boss. Now, Godfrey could explain why you are bitter, but Godfrey is not the cause of your bitterness. You are bitter because you have not forgiven Godfrey, not because of Godfrey's behavior toward you, You see, God's grace enables his followers to respond differently to circumstances and situations. We are convinced that our God reigns, that our God is in control, that everything that happens in this world is not random. Those that know God, those who have walked with God, those who have experienced God, well, they can trust in the record in the character of God. God is loving and merciful and gracious and just. <laughs> we love that love, mercy, and grace part. The just? Whoa, how does all this work, God? Storms don't automatically create wise and deep people but let me say they can response number two is a response that will help you grow deep and wide you'd ask a question like this god what are you teaching me what what is it i I, i'm in the middle of a storm What are you trying to teach me? You've got my attention, God. And what I have done over the years is I follow that up usually with three questions. And I'll list them for you. The first question is this. Do I need to confess any sin? Remember, storms don't mean you are in sin. But you know the truth is, is that so many times we forget some of our disobedience. I love in Psalm 139, and and you could turn there if you want with me, but in Psalm 39, David writes this. He starts off, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Lord, you know my motives. You know all of the scenarios that have happened. You know why I treat certain people the way that I do treat certain people. At the end of that psalm, David writes this Search me, O God, and and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Father, point out anything in me that offends you. Wow. What a prayer. That's a scary prayer. That's a hard prayer. Because what happens if God does that? And you like doing that. You like holding grudges. Or you like unforgiveness. or you And you just pile it. I, I, I like this. Now, the way you talked to your wife yesterday, it, it had an edge on it. Okay, God. What, what does that mean? He, you know what that means, Rick. Go talk to her. Go apologize. Walk into the next room. Open your mouth. You're really good at it. Sam, am sorry. Yeah. How beautiful. First John chapter 1, verse 9, where John writes this. If we confess our sins, if we own our sins, if, if we confess what God's revealed to us, he can clean us up. He, he cleans us and And actually it restores our relationship with the Almighty. Now there are those not wanting to repent. Maybe like Jonah. And as a result, they respond to a storm almost like an alcoholic responds to an intervention. They shake their fists at God and say this, God, you don't love me. I don't deserve this. Leave me alone. This is unfair. You don't understand. You don't care. And the reason that people will say that is that sin blinds. It always blinds. And it will kill you and kill me if we don't repent. You see, there's always grace in a storm. We see storms as bad. God says, Oh, if I can get your attention, if I can have you realigned, if I can have you confess, if you understand what abundant living is all about, hoo, 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 that's a good thing. Yeah, that's good. Wow. David writes this. This is so unique. You guys know this by heart for the most part. You've read this a million times in Psalm 23. It says your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And I think most of you know the rod or the club it can be interpreted from a, uh, of a shepherd is used to whack the sheep. Now we could say it nicer: persuade the sheep, encourage the sheep not to go off the right path. But it is there to realign a sheep's mentality. And David says this, the rod, the club, that protects me. It comforts me. I know the shepherd won't want me to go off the path. I know the shepherd will want me to eat the right grass. I know the shepherd will bring me to the right water. I'm the stubborn one. I need a club sometimes. And actually that comforts me. It does. Along with the staff that normally rescues or guides. But this brings us to the next question. The next question is, do I need to develop some character or ministry muscles? And God, if that's what you think, I need to Accept the storm. You see, Job, as we find out, Job went through some horrific things. I mean, you can't even imagine going through half or a quarter of what Job did. And for what? No reason? (laughs) There was a reason. And Sharon actually read some of that at the end of Job a little earlier. But Job needed to realign his thinking about God. He put God in a box. God was way bigger than Job understood. And although Job responded well, he needed to literally change his perspective about God. What about Hebrews 12? In Hebrews 12, it's a tough passage. And many, again, you can read through that. But the author writes something like this. Have you forgotten my encouraging words? Speaking of these Hebrew believers. Um, my encouraging words. The words that pump your tires. The words that will give you life. And then he goes on. Hey, I, uh, part of my encouraging words is that God spanks and God disciplines every believer now we've already talked about spanking just a little while ago but but he disciplines allows us to go through storms so we can see God differently we can hang on to God differently we can go to God quicker well, that doesn't sound encouraging to me. I, I don't want to sign up for storms. I get it. But we forget the big picture and what God is doing. Then the third question I would ask is this. Do I need to realign or change my perspective? Do I just flat out need to listen to you, God, better? You know, hanging out with my grandkids is very educational for me at times. One of the greatest words that or phrases they use all the time. It's not fair. Really? Welcome to the human race. Well, I I, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Okay, I get it. It's not fair. What are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do? And you know what? There are times we look at our lives and the issues we've gone through, and I think the first thing I'm is not fair. <laughs> and no one's going to argue with you. It doesn't seem fair at that moment, but Jesus addressed this yeah. in Luke 13 when he talked about the t- uh, tower of Siloam. He was talking at that time about repentance and sinners. And he just used this illustration. It says, hey, 18 people were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell. Do you think they are greater sinners than all the rest of you? And the idea is, absolutely not. What Jesus was saying is this. He's talking about repentance. He is literally just saying, tragedies happen. You may not get it, but they do. You know what I think you need to do? People who we was talking to, repent. Keep your heart soft. You worry about you. Almost like I don't even know when a tragedy is going to come on you. But if you're soft and you're repentant, it, it won't matter. It won't matter. You know, some of you have no idea who Jonathan Edwards is. But Jonathan Edwards was one of the most powerful preachers and writers in church history. Smallpox vaccinations uh, had just come on the scene. And since they were proving helpful, he decided to get vaccinated at 55. But the doctor gave him too much. He developed a fever which killed him in 1758. This brought a severe trial to his wife Sarah. But she did not complain. She submitted to God's sovereignty and trusted her king. She did not despair. She focused on God's goodness. We know this because of a letter she wrote to her daughter about her husband's passing. I have put that up on the screen for you. I'd like to read that for you because this is unbelievable. This is what she writes. My very dear child, this is her daughter, what shall I say? A holy And a good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh, oh, that we may kiss the rod and lay our hands over our mouths. The Lord has done this. He has made me adore his goodness that we have had him so long. But my God lives, and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy, my husband, and your father has left us. We are all given to God, and there I am in love to be. Your affectionate mother, Sarah Edwards. Can you believe that? This made no sense at all. He was following doctor's protocols. He was hoping to continue on in life. His impact in the eastern part of our United States in the 1700s was unbelievable. God, God, what are you? What is going on? And Sarah Edwards just basically said, I'm going to trust you, God. I am going to trust you. I know your character. I know your record. You, God, is who I'm going to trust. Did it break her heart? Did it break her daughter's heart? i got to believe so. But let's get back to the story. There is so much to learn in our text from Jonah. You see, Jonah began to see clearly once he woke up from his deep sleep. We don't have all the details, but we know he ran. He know we got on a ship. He know we wanted to end up 2,000 miles away from where he was at the farthest place of the known world. Meanwhile, he's pretty exhausted, and I think that's what happens. We do get exhausted when we run from God. And he went down into the hold and fell asleep. Was he even aware of the storm at first? Probably not. Was he aware that all the sailors were tossing cargo uh, overboard? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. But once he woke up from his deep sleep, something changed. You see, sin blinds us And often, others see it well before we do. Only the arrogant and the foolish continue to run and refuse God's counsel. We must listen to right voices. You see, our bent is often that we want to hang around with people that think like we think. You know, for you know, over at the water cooler, when your boss has not been treating you well, you know there's at least three others. (laughs) We can talk about our misery. And it happens. It happens in families, it happens in churches. When we don't listen to the right voices. You see, community is is critical being able to do life together with one another to be able to have diverse viewpoints so that when we are blind or going down a different path or a wrong path that someone can put their arm around you and say that's what's happening jonah came to the deck and saw the disaster he has caused can you can you believe it he woke up he was shaken by the captain Probably could hardly get up the ladder or the stairs. The boat's getting tossed. Everybody's tossing stuff overboard. I am sensing at this moment that he was not filled with remorse at the moment. I I just not. Well, the sailors cast lots. We would say it's a little bit easier. They, They drew straws. And Jonah got the short one. God used sailors to wake up Jonah. Now, sailors, and and I'm not trying to be offensive here, especially if there's anyone who is a sailor or a past sailor, but sailors are kind of a salty group. They're not always known for their smooth conversations in tactful ways. God used godless sailors to badger Jonah, and Jonah caved. I look over the years in my life, and, and it would be really nice to always have godly people put their hand on my shoulder. But over the years, I've seen folks who don't know the Lord that confronted and guided. And I learned much from them. Jonah then spoke up. He gave God glory, and he owned his rebellion. Look back at Jonah chapter 1, verse 9. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. He starts to own. There's a little bit of a shift right here. He is responding a little bit differently. And we see that these are the early stages of repentance. When you start talking about God more than you talk about yourself. But the pagan, godless, crusty, sailor's response is epic. If you mark your Bibles, look at verse 10. The sailors were terrified. Again, nothing has stopped at this moment, but they saw the sea. They recognized how bad this was. Maybe they've never seen anything like this before. And in their heads, they're going, oh, my word. You really ticked off God, didn't you? I I, I mean, this is not a small storm, Jonah, okay? They were terrified, terrified. When they heard this. Because they had already heard Jonah say he was running from the Lord. They were looking at Jonah. Now look at the next line. Oh. Oh. Why did you do this? Excuse me. You worship the God who created the heavens and the earth. Your God is powerful. What are you thinking, dude? <laughs> they literally had a clearer view of God than Jonah. And it tells me a few things prophets, those that walk with God, those that know a lot about God, we sometimes lose the fear of God. We lose the respect for God. We casually sin because we just don't think it's that important. We don't have to listen because we're in control. And so some who have even walked with God for a long time haven't confessed for a long time. They haven't seen their own rebellion. But let me say this, is that the prophet Jonah clearly saw that his sin also affected everyone else. There's a lot less cargo there. They had groaned passionately. How could you do this? To your God. You know, sin does affect us, and, and maybe during some really selfish times, you may not even understand it. There's a story in, in uh, Joshua chapter 7 uh, about a man named Achan. And so many of you remember this story, but, but Joshua was leading Israel, and they just conquered a city called Jericho, and the next city um, that they were going to clear out, well, it was called Ai. But God had given some instructions when they took down Jericho. He said, I don't want you to take anything personally. There's other times that God allowed that, but not this time. Anything you take, we're just going to put right into the temple. We're just going to, to put it in God's service. Well, there was a man who felt above everyone else, and he saw some clothing and gold, and he decided to take it and put it in his tent and hide. Well, Joshua sent out his troops, And there were 36 men that were killed and Israel was soundly defeated. The troops came back. Israel started ranting and raving. Joshua himself said, God, what's the big deal? I mean, you told us to go do this and now we go do it and we have 36 men who have died. 36 families that don't have sons. 36 maybe widows that have just happened. God, what's the deal? And God just simply says this, hey, there's sin in the camp. You took it casually. In our minds, we're going, God, couldn't you have done this maybe a little differently? That's all I'm saying. How about pulling me aside and just say, hey, the dude aching over there, why don't you go talk to him? But there was sin in the camp. And sin in the camp is a big deal with huge ramifications. In this case, it was a loss of life. Because not only did those 36 men lose their lives, but they gathered all of Achan's family and all of his possessions, and the Lord said, I want you to stone them to death. Oh, that seems so harsh. (laughs) Why, God? We well, see, sin is a big deal. And any time any one of us are not brought in the center of the camp and stoned, it's only because of God's mercy, just so you know. That's all. You know, we sometimes, whether it be a staff or whether it be a mission trip or whether it be a ministry, oftentimes our leadership sits around and talks about are you walking with God because sin in the camp affects churches families ministries it always has ramifications now you can tell Jonah's growth because he's starting to think differently he he said you know what you guys don't deserve the storm, I do. But because of Jonah's rebelliousness, this is so cool, grace is extended to Jonah, which we're going to see, and grace is extended to the ship and the crew. Now, Now let me wrap this up for us this morning. Storms can shipwreck or give life. The choice is ours. The storm was bad. And Jonah did the right thing and have the sailors toss him into the sea. My guess is, Jonah maybe thought, okay, I'm done. I'm going to do the right thing. He has listened to God, sort of, and kind of, and maybe. And he said, okay, I'll just take my life and I'll be done. But the storm stopped and the fish came and God's grace was extended in spite of Jonah's rebelliousness to Jonah as we're going to find out as our story continues. Next time I speak it will be How did the sailors respond? How did God graciously use this in order to help them find God? But God's grace is all over. It's never a story, hey, I can do whatever I want and God's just going to grace me. I never know personally how God is going to treat me. But I know God has graciously and mercifully dealt with me, even when I went through or go through really hard times. I hate that. I hate looking back and see the storms. Storms that brought me to my knees, storms that were because of me, storms because of others. Sin. And I hate him. I hate him. But I look back and I'm so grateful for God's grace in my life. Sometimes he used the club, and sometimes he used the staff. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I do know that I deserve to be consumed. I do. I know that my life and sin at times has totally offended you and that I deserve judgment at that moment. Jesus came. Jesus paid my debt and took my judgment. But God, I'm not always that sharp and I always don't listen well in spite of that. So I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the way you control all circumstances and the way that you perfectly order our world accomplish all of your will so God grace is amazing and we thank you and we love you and pray this in Jesus name amen let's stay-